Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in with his friend Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time, knowing that really all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to Stand Free, the Aberdeen FC Women's Podcast. And I'm delighted to say that for this edition of the podcast, uh, we are welcoming onto the show the original captain of the Aberdeen FC Women team, Kelly Forrest. Kelly, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, we are currently a half a dozen games into the the new season for uh, Aberdeen FC Women, and um, it's been a relatively successful stint so far. Uh, and uh, I'll hopefully be gleaning some of uh, Kelly's expert insight in relation to how the the first six games of the season has gone from her perspective. But before we get into all of that, though, Kelly, um, how how has uh, retired life been for yourself? Um, you you obviously hung your boots up. Um, what was well just over a year ago in real time, but a season and a bit ago. Um, I know you've been involved in some of the cool commentary work with BBC Scotland in the intervening time, so you're you're still certainly uh, around. Uh, the women's game, but um, in terms of other things going on in your life, how's that been? Yeah, um, well, it's been uh, nothing short of busy. Um, I thought I was going to have some, you know, downtime and time to myself, which I have, and that's probably one of the reasons I kind of decided to retire when I did. I kind of knew that, you know, our ambition was always to get the team back up to. Uh, SWPL one and I said to myself that you know I'll do another season after you know such a, a great success and back-to-back promotion and obviously we did really well so it was nice to end on a high um but yeah I expected a little bit more of time to myself but it's just been pretty busy but uh good busy and I'm enjoying it as you say I've kind of touched on things with the with co-coms with BBC which has been great great exposure I'd done some work with Red TV you know while I was still playing so um, I got a bit of a taste of it while I was still at Aberdeen. Um, so yeah, that's been really exciting and uh, still been attending most of the home games, uh, keeping keeping my eye on the scores all the time and always looking for the team to do really well. And they've kicked on really well, like a lot this season. So great to see. Absolutely. So obviously when you uh, finished up um, your playing career with the with the team um you went out on the back of uh back-to-back promotions as you say to get back to swpl1 and then in in our inaugural season back in top flight as it was a very very respectable fifth place finish effectively seeing us in the top half of the table um not quite as uh successful a season last year um 
for a, for a, for a spell, it looked like we might well be uh, precariously close to the relegation playoff, but a very strong finish in the season saw us finish in tenth place, which uh, saw us escape that uh, potential uh, prospect of a relegation playoff. Um, how? Disappointing? Did you feel it was how how last season went um, as as compared to when when you went out? Um, and to what extent do you think the factors were in relation to that? Obviously, a a, a transition of uh, players, the likes of yourself and Carry Doig, um, falling away from that. And um, while it was an opportunity for a number of the younger players coming through from Aberdeen Ladies, there's obviously that transition period that's happening as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a couple of things. I think. As you mentioned, there was a huge transition both, you know, on and off the pitch. Um, well, while me and Carrie kind of everyone anticipated or everyone knew that, you know, we had we'd planned to kind of retire. Um, I think obviously the loss of Emma Hunter um, and Gav Beath was was huge. I think, you know, I think that's change. I think that especially for the young girls, you know, as you know, it's quite a young team. And, you know, certainly Emma had you know, coached and mentored a lot of the younger girls through their, their youth pathway and uh, other clubs she'd been heavily involved with their development um, and then become, you know, a, a huge figure for them, again, both on and off the pitch. So that change for me was, was massive. And I think, you know, maybe retrospectively, I think, um, you know, obviously the results weren't going the way for the team, Um the the, uh, the second point I was kind of alluding to was the fact that the league also improved has improved like significantly you know you see all these other clubs investing um, and have, have really kept the momentum behind their their team um, so I think that factored in with a change in management is um, a huge a huge factor like change for the youth and obviously teams around Aberdeen you know really pushing on when and then they're probably looking in at Aberdeen scene, you know, they've lost, you know, two big figures at the club, um, you know, and I think, I think the club maybe, they felt like they had to do something and, you know, I'm not really sure of the parting situation there, but obviously reflecting on the change and, and that decision, it obviously had a knock on effect to the, to the results, um, as we know, and it, it came down really to the bitter end, um, but yeah, as I say, I think it's, you know, that, that big change for the younger girls, um, albeit there wasn't a huge change in the squad after me and Carrie left. I think what you also lost was a bit of experience and and Lawrence had to take that on herself and, you know, speaking to her and I'm sure she'll she'll agree that, you know, when you when you lose people of similar age and experience around you, it's it's difficult to bring the team up. And then she's had to deal with you know, new management and leadership as well with Gav um, Levy stepping in. So, yeah, it, it was it was slightly disappointing, but I think to be expected given the decisions around the, the, the team and also the league. Yeah, you, you touched upon uh, part of the, 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 the reasoning around the, the, the perhaps disappointing performance last season being a general improvement within the league as well. Um and it's obviously one of the things that Aberdeen has been looking at is trying to progress itself in relation to providing a bit more opportunity for players within the squad with the provision of uh, semi-professional contracts. So um, around about the time that um, you, you were finishing up your career, it was also the, the, the beginning of the, 
the semi-professionalization for for some of the players in the team. Um, I was going back to what I think what you referred to as the the famous five who got the mm-hmm. the first semi-professional contracts in the team. So that was Jess Broderick, Ailey Shore, Eva Thompson, uh, Bailey Hutchison, uh, and Eva. Oh, sorry, not, uh, Eva again, but um, Francesca Ogilvy. So. Mm-hmm. We had starting point there with regards to that. Um, I know that at the start of the season, of this season, they were joined by the, the current captain, Nadine Hansen, and by uh, Maddie Finney. Um, so it's good to be seeing that there's a, there's a beginning of that progression towards, um, you know, the, the approach of the team being a bit more professional. But as you were alluding to, um, there's also an element of we're trying to catch up with where some of the other clubs are. So I think most people are aware at the, at the top end, you've got the likes of Celtic Rangers, Glasgow City, a, a, essentially running a, 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 a fully professional uh, outfit, or, or at least in a situation where um, the entire team is, is getting paid and, and, and the advantages that carries and effectively being able to train in a, in, a, in a professional manner, or at least being able to commit your time to do that. Um, Hearts and Hibs are, are further along that line in relation to that as well. Um, and, and in that perspective, I'd be interested to get a, a, an idea from yourself in relation to how how much of a difference that makes in terms of trying to be able to compete with those, those teams in relation to the level that you're able to prepare, the, the amount of time that you're potentially able to dedicate to that. Yeah, I think, well, f- first and foremost, I think the club did absolutely the right thing and, you know, cementing those five in. I think, you know, you look at the likes of Bailey Hutchison, she is, you know, at the heart of every conversation and on a lot of, uh, not just in Aberdeen and across the country. So I think the club were, you know, buying on to get them tied into contracts and I know that other clubs were interested in them and, you know, as expected, um, so that was definitely, you know, well timed in that respect. I think obviously what comes with that as well is the fact that you've had a team that have been so, uh, you know, everyone in that 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 team and that squad, and it's the same for other teams across the country as women's football grows. That you're then introducing a different dynamic that some people are, you know, on these contracts and others aren't. And I think it's it's nothing against those five in any shape or form, but. You know, there's obviously a slight shift in dynamics, and I think even for the management, the likes of Emma, Emma Hunter and Gav Beath, that had to then go in and approach a squad where you know some were given semi-pro contracts and others not. But that's the nature of football, in my opinion. You just have to, you have to get on with that. And I think maybe some people um, might have been had their nose out of joint, but you know, as I say, that's the nature of football. Not everyone's on the same package. Um, and yeah, and touching on, I think you mentioned about, you know, commitment and time, obviously, you know, for me, it was, you know, we what we were training, you know, three times a week and away on a Sunday, especially, you know, being a player at Aberdeen. Um, and it's not like I get the violin moment out, but, you know, <laughs> if you looked at the amount of hours as players, we've committed to football as a whole, accounting for travel, it's a huge ask for Aberdeen players um you know rarely do we get home at a reasonable time on an away game whereas that's that's not really the case for a lot of the other teams down in and around edinburgh and glasgow so um yeah it, it's it's a it's a big commitment and um but i think that's that's how the that's how the club 
they had to go down down that way and they need to, you know, as they've done this year with Nadine and Maddie tying them in as well, I think it's absolutely the right thing to do. Um, and it shows, you know, the, the growth mindset that Aberdeen has. Yeah, it's absolutely an encouraging direction of travel. And I think from my perspective, what I'd hope is that that is a direction of travel and that we're continuing to go down that, that, that path and, and potentially get to the stage of where, uh, for want of a better phrase, the, the the big five clubs in the division are where we can where we can get to that level. It's it's interesting as well what you're saying with regards to the time commitment in relation to that, and just simply being geographically in Aberdeen. Uh, for 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 the benefit of listeners, we are recording this on Wednesday evening, and um, the 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 women's team are going to be playing uh, away from home at Meadowbank against Hibs tonight. So that's a again an example of a 7:30 kickoff in Edinburgh that you know. Your, the, the game's going to be done before 10 and you've got your warm downs and preparation and by the time you're getting back up the road that likely is going to be the early hours of tomorrow morning before the team gets back yeah and I think you know going back to what we we're saying as I say it wasn't a it wasn't a violent moment it was more to highlight the fact that if as a club like Aberdeen you've got to and I know the club are aware of this but just for perspective it's You've, it's harder to encourage players to Aberdeen. So ensuring you've got people like, you know, players on contracts and, um, you know, cementing them in and keeping them is really, really important. And, and then it's got to be, you know, looking at the geography, how do you attract players to Aberdeen? And there's a bit of a different strategy in comparison to other clubs. Um, you know, maybe it is looking at, you know, how... You know, creating that environment like our players having to get up tomorrow and go and take part in something else out with football. Um, we certainly did. You know, obviously a lot of us were working full time, and I know that there are girls that are at uni and stuff. So it's about packaging that up and and really allowing you know that speaking of sport that that adequate recovery time for the girls as well. Um, so creating a, a healthy environment for them and, and thinking about scheduling and. You know, do the older players have to train as much as the younger ones? Things like that, you know. And that organisation, you know, you probably you need to be very, very mindful of that. And I think for Aberdeen, it's difficult right now to to attract players. Um, and I think, obviously, um, as I say, it's a slightly different strategy that's got to be ad- adopted by the club in comparison to other clubs. So you mentioned earlier that one of the factors maybe from last season in terms of the uh, the relative successes was the the change in management structure. Um, so Emma Hunter and Gavin Beath had been in place and obviously been part of that very successful period of time with the back-to-back promotions and then the very strong first season in the top flight. Um, we then had a, a very much transition situation where uh, Gavin Levy was uh, basically taking... Uh, control of the team but on an interim basis and I think it was always going to be seen as an interim basis until such time as we got uh, new management in place um, and, and we have that now with uh, Clint Lancaster who came from Watford Women and he is the first fully professional manager for uh, the, the women's team um, so as I say we'll, we'll maybe get into the, the, the specifics of how the team has done over the last uh, half dozen games but in terms of the management change and and uh, observing the the approach to that from afar, what's what's been your impression of that so far? Yeah, really good. Um, I I personally don't know Clint. I've, I've never had a conversation with him, but he he definitely, you know, I think the team have kind of 
clicked. Um, I think obviously the refresher, you know, putting the last season to bed a little bit. I think you're seeing some of, you know, your your key players really shining again. And then you're also seeing really good partnerships, you know, especially with Hannah Stewart and Bailey Hutchison at front. I think he's 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 done well in bringing other players from from down south as well um, into the team, you know, and, and that's something I actually thought, as I say, geographically that that would be quite difficult but he's done pretty well there and I think one of the key players he's brought in uh, Faye Kirby and goals I think she's been an outstanding signing for them and really made a big difference and then yeah back to Clint you know obviously I've, I've not I don't really know too much about him but he seems really active on the sidelines which I personally like he's he's giving direction he's he's really encouraging the players and get taking moments to speak to them um, in downtimes during the game and I think that's something that's needed for especially for our younger team so yeah very positive so far Earlier this month I had the opportunity to speak with the new manager Clint Lancaster and he kindly shared his thoughts on how he feels things have gone in his first few months in charge So I'm delighted to welcome onto the Here We Go podcast the AFC Women Manager, Clint Lancaster. Clint, thank you very much for agreeing to do this. Uh, No problem at all. Thanks for having me on. So first of all, before we get into any of the AFC women-related queries, just wondering, how are you finding Aberdeen in the northeast of Scotland? Settling in okay? Yeah, settling in really well. Uh, I'm enjoying life here at the moment. It's been... uh... It's been great since I've been here, but he's been really good to me, so um, I'm really enjoying my time here. Glad, glad to hear that. Hope you're getting a, a, a warm northeast welcome from everybody. Um, so, first of all, uh, before we speak about AFC Women specifically, uh, I'd be interested to know a little bit about your background. So, I think it's known to most people you came here from uh, being head coach at Watford FC Women, uh, you were there for a few seasons, and last season they managed to get promoted into the Women's Championship in England. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about your experience then, and, and, and maybe some of your background before that. Yeah, so I um, I started at Plymouth Argyle, so I'm from I'm from the West Country originally, so I started down there, um, and then I uh, I was working with the Community Trust, and then did some stuff with the Centre of Excellence down there with the boys. Um, and then from Plymouth, I went up to Chelsea, um, and I did some stuff there with the with the youth academy, and, the, and then that was where I first started getting involved in, in girls football. Um, so I was working with young girls then um, in um, in kind of RTCs, centre of excellence as they were called at the time, and then they they turned to RTCs, which is the equivalent of like the boys academy. Um, and then from Chelsea, I went to Crystal Palace, um, and again I was just working with the. With kind of the uh, the trust and the youth teams there, and then I um, was asked if I would um, work with the women's team. So that was my first taste of working within women's football. Really, was at Crystal Palace when um, they asked me to take on the the under twenty threes women's team, um, which uh, which was which was interesting for me. Something I'd never done before, never experienced working in in uh, in, in women's football before, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and did really well there with their under-23s, and then the first team manager at the time asked if I'd come up and work with him. So I did, so I was assistant manager at Crystal Palace for, um, I think, what, 12, 12 to 18 months, something like that, and in that time we we won promotion, uh, won two, two, two trophies, and went a whole season unbeaten, which was 
which was really good. And then from there, I went to I went to Watford. Um, Watford were in the Super League Two at the time, which is now the Women's Championship. Um, and I was asked to go over there and again work with their under twenty threes with the women. So I did. Um, and unfortunately, the first team ended up getting relegated that season. So and there was a big change there. And then um, I ended up um, assisting the first team manager again. I asked if he'd come up and if I would help him out there. So I went and was working with the first team at Watford and then he stepped down and um, and then I was asked if I'd want the job there at Watford so I took the job on as the as the head coach there and then within the year got got Watford promoted back into the championship and then we were in the championship for a few months and then I left Watford and was at Aldershot Town um, which was local to where I live fantastic club um, good people there as well and uh, I was working with the boys academy there so the boys 16, 17s I was working with at the time, um, and then I'm now here at Aberdeen. So without wanting to make this sound too much like reliving your job interview, what was it that attracted you to the role of being what is now the first full-time manager at AFC Women? I think I was excited by the project and the direction the club wanted to go in. Um, that was a big thing for me because... You know, I said I absolutely loved my time at Aldershot, and it was it was a great club, um, really good kind of community family club, and I like that about a club that I work for. You know, good values, and and I, and I felt the same here really. Um, it was a really tight knit community, which I liked, um, and the people here have been brilliant since I've been here. But I like the project. I like what they want to do with the women's team. Obviously, they're playing in the first division here, which was which was appealing to me. Um, and I like some of the good young players I've got here. I've got a background of obviously working with young players, so I enjoy working with young people. Um, so that again was was something that, that drew me in. Um, and uh, yeah, since I've been here, I've loved it. Well, certainly good to hear. So you touched upon the current squad, um, or at least the squad that you inherited when you first got in. So first of all, in relation to the, the, the players that you have uh, come across and started working with, uh, what has been your, your your general thoughts on on the team and and in particular uh, the Dean Hansen who very quickly after your appointment became made team captain? Yeah, it's a good group. Um, when I came in, I started and met the girls for the first time. Um, yeah, I think like any group, they're a little bit unsure of the manager's approach, what they'll be like. But um, I think now they're getting used to me and the sort of things that I want from them and. Um, and they're a brilliant group to they're a brilliant group to work with. They're young, um, but again, I, I I don't mind that at all. I enjoy working with those sorts of players. But they're they're really eager to learn, and they've taken on board everything that I'm trying to trying to get them to do. And they're trying, and they're 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 um, yeah, they're great. There's lots of different personalities and characters in there, which is good, which makes it a really good team. Um, and they all get on really well with each other, which is again really important. And um, you know, and yeah, you mentioned Nadine. I mean, Nadine is the most experienced player that we've got, really. You know, she's played the Championship Super League in England, and she's got you know um, great experience. One of the senior senior pros in the in the uh, in the group. So um, her attitude and her work ethic really is something that really stood out to me as as kind of the reasons as to why I wanted to make her the captain, as well as her experience. She leads by example. Um, she's not the most vocal of captains, but she certainly leads by example in her professionalism the way she conducts herself, the way she trains. Um, she trains and works hard, so it was an easy choice, really, to put Nadine as the captain. 
In your first interview following your appointment as women's boss, you mentioned that priority one was making new signings. Now, there are a few fresh faces in the squad so far already. Um, it's striker Hannah Inch, midfielder Laura Holden, uh, and perhaps most interestingly, uh, goalkeeper Faye Kirby, who has joined us from Liverpool FC Women until the end of the year. Um, must have been quite the coup being able to secure the services of a player from the Women's Super League. I know um, Matt Beard at Liverpool, their manager, I know him, I know him well, and um, we've got a good relationship, and um, I think through kind of the, the contacts that I've got back in England really helped to get Faye in. She's um, She's been a great addition for us. She's an experienced goalkeeper, playing under 23s at England, and has played in the Super League last season for for Liverpool. Um, she's been fantastic for us, but yeah, I mean, it came through the relationship that I've got with Matt Beard. Um, and uh, and I know and I recognised really that was my priority as soon as I came in. It was it was yes recruitment was was a big thing, but the number one was a goalkeeper. I think um, that was me for me the priority. So to bring someone like Faye in was was um, fantastic for us. So moving on to the season itself. So we are currently speaking uh, on Friday the first of September. So a couple of days before your next game away to Spartans, but there are four matches that we've had already in the bag uh, before going into the actual details of how the team's gone so far. Um, one of the things that was very noticeable is a, a, a change of shape and structure from the previous season. So the team has been playing when with a back three. It's Again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but effectively a, a three, four, one, two structure. Uh, Personally, one of the really noticeable things on the, the, the first day when we're playing Motherwell was seeing Chloe Gover, probably probably more used to playing a midfielder forward role, found ourselves at left centre back while Jess Broderick was out in right midfield. I'd be I'd be interested to know the, the evolution of that. So is that a case of working with the players, trying to identify individual strengths and weaknesses, maybe exploring areas that you you think they might be able to play in that they might not have even thought about beforehand? How does that conversation go? Um, it's a it's kind of a, a combination of things, really. It's, you know, I I, um, I have a set way and a, a kind of a philosophy as to how I want my teams to play. Um, that hasn't really changed much from my time at from my time at Watford. Um, I've always been a um, I've always wanted my teams to play in a certain way. Of course, you can only play a certain way if you have the players to be able to do that. And uh, yeah, you know, it's been no secret that we are we play as a back three. Uh, and I think that the reason for that is we've got the players that can do that. Um, I enjoy playing that way, and within that within that shape and the system that we play, there's various different rotations and movements that we can create to um, to to exploit the opposition. I suppose uh, with Chloe, Chloe has been brilliant since I've been in here. She's been fantastic. What I like about Chloe is her work rate. She works incredibly hard in training. Um, which that has really impressed me with Chloe. I think that uh, she's come in and since I've been here, she's kind of really wanted it. And um, and she's naturally left-footed. Um, I think if, if, I'm, if I'm playing with the back three, which we are, I was quite like a left-footer to be on the left-hand side of the three. Um, and I think with her work rate, um, her recoveries, the way in which she's worked, her, her vision as well, she's, she, her, you know, her range of pass is outstanding. Um, I saw her potentially play, playing in that back three, and she's done that really, really well. 
She has sometimes played as a, a left wing back for us as well. So it's good that she can flick between the two. And then on the and then with Jess, Jess um, again, you know, she will run for days. Jess, she'll work hard for you. And I think if you play um, the way in which we want, <clears throat> the way in which I want the team to play, which is to be on the front foot, you do need players that um, you know will will look to press, will look to get will look to get up the pitch nice and quickly, and have got the legs to be able to recover as well. And I see that with Jess as someone that she is a runner and she will get forwards, but she'll also get back. And I think if you Look at that wing back position. It's, that's where you need players to be able to do that. And although Jess is by far, you know, not the finished article in the final third, um, defensively she's outstanding. Um, and I think if I can work with her in the in the final third, I think she'd be, you know, potentially a fantastic wing back. Although we could still use her in the back three as well. So that's um, that's kind of the reasons as to why they're both playing where they are at the moment. And in terms of your own coaching style and philosophy, you've already spoken a bit about the way that you want the team to play but it was also noticeable that in the matches itself you're 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 very vocal you're you're clearly wanting to communicate a lot during the game in relation to how you want the team to play and particular players to play is is that something you like to put a lot of emphasis on yeah <clears throat> you know it's funny it's one of them where I get to a game and I say to myself right I'm going to sit down I'm not going to say a word I'm going to be quiet <laughs> every game I'll say that but then I can't help myself um, whether it's either decisions that haven't gone our way, um, which some of them have been really poor, um, or it's just uh, it's just you know you miss playing and you just miss, you can't help yourself. Um, so, I, I was uh, I apologies I was I was going to know I wasn't going to mention it, but you brought it up. That I think I think you've also picked up a, a, at least a couple of yellow cards as a consequence of that so yeah, far. Yeah, <laughs> I have. You know, normally I'm quite actually really away from uh, away from football. I'm normally quite a calm person, really. But uh, as soon as it comes to game day. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't help it, and sometimes I do need to maybe rein in it a bit. But um, I think that if the players see that you know the passion that I have, then I hope it kind of um, it helps them out on the pitch a little bit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those. It's just it's in my makeup. It's the way that I am, um, and uh, you know I, I'll be there just to to motivate the players as much as I can, really. Um, and I'm sure there will be games where I'll be sitting down a little bit longer than others. Um, but uh, that's just the way that I am, I guess. Well, I don't think anyone will argue with wanting to see someone that shows a bit of passion during the games. So, uh, always much appreciated. Unless you're the referee. <laughs> well, indeed. <laughs> I guess they have a different vantage point on yeah. such things. Um, so, going into the games themselves so far, then... Um, Last season was maybe a a bit of a disappointing one overall. The the ultimate aim at the end of the season was to make sure we got clear of the relegation playoff, which we managed to do. But I think it's probably fair to say that the aspirations this season would be get certainly clear away from that kind of bottom three grouping and and get ourselves back involved in in the battle for the. For, for the the top six places this season is is that a, a, a realistic objective? Um, I mean, I, I don't really focus on trying to finish in those top six places. I, I honestly just try to focus on each game and just genuinely take each game as it comes. Um, because there are there are many good teams, you know. Away from the, I know you've got the five that are maybe training more than others, but you know, away from those five, there are some good teams. You know, we beat we beat Motherwell three two, but again they're a good side and they've had a few good results recently. Spartans 
I know they've started, not necessarily how they'd like to have started, but again, they're a good side and we played them pre-season and, um, and they're good. Uh, Park Fist will have had a good start to their season. So there's there's teams there that, that, are, that are really, really good. Um, so it's difficult to say, you know, you can't really put a position, um, kind of a number in the league onto where you want to finish. So we've just got to take each game as it comes and see how we get on. But, you know, I've got belief in the group that we're good enough to uh, to challenge. So that's our aim. Um, and if we play as well as we can, then I, I feel like we can certainly challenge um, and finish as high as up, you know, as we as we really want to be. Yeah, and on that note, would you say you're relatively satisfied with the start to the campaign so far? I think it was obviously an incredibly good start to get that 3-2 win against Motherwell. That is certainly a team that we would be aiming to be competing with um, or being in around uh, if we're going to be in in that challenge to uh, be around the, the the top six place, um, I get a good away win against the newly promoted Montrose away from home, um, and then the, the defeats to Rangers and Hearts again. Obviously, two of those five teams that you mentioned, so um, yeah, maybe not uh, uh, too disappointing in terms of the result, but I think certainly in terms of performances and especially the the most recent game at Hearts, I think there was a lot to take away from that. And I, I, I noted as well that. Um, with the, the the end of the Hearts game, the uh, manager Eva Oled took a, a moment or two to, to speak with you after the game, and, and in her own post match interview was speaking very highly of the team and how they're playing this season. Um, yeah, I think that if you if we um, if we look at the first four fixtures that we've had, we have to include one of them as a midweek game, uh, which was a really good win there away away in a midweek game. It doesn't matter who you play. Um, winning away from home midweek is never easy. So, especially when you're part-time players, and you know my players are coming, to, you know they would have had work or college or uni, and you know, and then they're coming to coming to play a, a tough game against Montrose midweek. Um, then I think we take that as a, as a fantastic win. And then the Motherwell result was a brilliant result. So yeah, I mean we can't be disappointed. Six po- six points from our opening four games. Rangers was always going to be a tough one away, and then Hearts, you know, they're they're always going to be up there. So, and I actually think that we matched them for the majority of that game. Um, the goals we conceded against Hearts, you know, a corner, and then a bit of a mix-up at the back. But the mix-up at the back comes, you know, maybe that's where you do you do miss the experience in the back line. But I can't fault anybody so far from the se- the start of the season that we've had. You know, even the, the younger ones um, have been outstanding at the back. So naturally, mistakes will happen at times. But um, I think the way in which we've um, the way in which we've played this season so far has been good, and I've been impressed. Um, so I can't be disappointed at all with the start we've had. And maybe wrapping up then, in that case, then the the future for this team for the remainder of this season. What what would you be looking at in terms of? player development, progress for the team, again, without looking at it in a necessarily results-orientated focus, what, what would you be seeing as success in relation to development of the team going forward? Uh, well, uh, success for us is just to finish up as high as we can, perform well in the games that we're in and, um, and put as many points on the board um, as we can. And, um, and I think that each game, if we perform to our to our best then there's no reason why we can't go into those games and come out well go into those games and perform well and get the three points so success for us is to obviously improve on um, where the team finished last year but um, to finish up as high as we can in the league really well we will wish you 
all the best in your endeavours to get as far up the league as possible uh, and wish you the very best success with the, the, the season to go. Clint Lancaster, thank you very much for joining Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Kelly, the new boss has said that he's excited by Aberdeen's vision for the team. He clearly has his own vision uh, about uh, how he wants the team to be playing on the field. Um, his preferred system is with a three at the back, um, and he's obviously had a look at the players available to him and where he sees them uh, best deployed. Uh, and in that respect, I think one of the revelations of the season so far has been the performances of Chloe Gover, um, who has shown her versatility in being able to quite adeptly perform in the left centre back position this season. Yeah, definitely. I think you know. I think maybe if you looked at last season with Chloe, she. Um, she probably didn't get as much game time as, she, as what she, she would have wanted. And I think, you know, typically she's played on the left wing. Um, she's got a great left foot on her, really tenacious, um, but probably didn't get as much of an opportunity due to the calibre of players within them, you know, midfield and up front. And I think she has at times, or even when I was still playing, she was, you know, often a, a, a selection for a left back if, if you know, the the original left back couldn't play and she did really well and I think her being naturally left footed it, it makes complete sense and you know obviously it's not a position that she has trained for in, in time but I definitely think she's done very well to fit in there um, and yeah as I say being naturally left footed um, quick as well and as I say tenacious it suits the defence pretty well and yeah it is it's a it's a back three that for me as you say Chloe being a particular surprise but you know huge credit to to Maddie Finney and um to Amy Black I think you know they've also done very well you know playing with the three just the three of them I think Maddie Finney's really stepped up to the mark in that position I've been very very impressed with her this season so far really composed really strong um and and clears our lines when when apps when needed yeah this is very much in your wheelhouse, obviously, Kelly, in relation to how the, the central defenders are doing. But you mentioned beforehand about the the, the youth of the team. So um, I think I'm right in saying that on the first game of the season coincided with Amy Black's 17th birthday. Uh, and Maddie herself, I think, is still 17 as well. They've, and it's maybe a sign of how well they've been doing that they've both recently have been promoted up the age grades. They're going to be, they're, they're involved in the next squad for the Scotland under 19. So, um uh, even even more of a sign of how well they're doing that that's that's a real quick progression in relation to both of their careers and when you reflect on the back the last couple of games we've seen a couple of clean sheets as well so clearly working well so far yeah absolutely you know uh, it's that that playing as a, a back three is is not the, the typical option you know obviously most teams are sitting with a, a bank of four um but as I touched on earlier, I think uh, Faye Kirby has been, for me, has given them that confidence as well because Faye's very comfortable with the ball at her feet. Um, she also appears to be very vocal. And I think, you know, we can't miss her out in, when we speak about that back line too. I think she's been instrumental in Aberdeen's success so far. And I think having a good goalkeeper in this league can put you two or three places you know, up the league, um, it's it's a it's a really I know it's a critical position. Every position is, but uh, certainly in the women's game, if you've got a goalkeeper that can you know dictate our box, especially at set pieces against you know the likes of Celtic, Glasgow City Rangers, where they're 
a huge threat in the air. She'll play a massive role in that success. But yeah, a young young team. But in, from my perspective, I'm so used to saying that Aberdeen's a young team and you don't really get an option because are you that young in that team? Not really. Um, they're probably the youngest. That's probably the fairest thing to say. Um, and it's interesting to see how, you know, the girls that were young, the likes of Ailey Shore, Billy Hutchison, Francesca, now stepping up, having to be leaders. And um, again, you've got the nice pairing of uh, Ailey Shore and Nadine Hansen in front of that back line. So that's added security, good core in the team. Yeah, it's interesting when you mentioned that in terms of the relative experience of players, because obviously with that, 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 um, central midfield partnership um nadine she started out with us playing in the defense and towards the tail end of last season was starting being deployed more in the center of midfield and and she's obviously stayed there for the beginning of this season and i think i wonder if that is kind of an aspect of wanting to have your more senior players you know she's you know no offense to Nadine, but probably by quite a distance the most senior player in in the starting eleven most most games, um, and and maybe wanting to have that experience and influence in the middle of the park. But you know when you think of Ailey as well, um, in her early twenties, and yet as you say, the likes of her and Fran Ogilvie, um, uh, Bailey Hutchison, young, comparatively speaking, but as you say, in this particular team, very much the, you know, the experienced players in this side. Yeah, Ailey, sure. She's an outstanding player. I, you know, often, you know, sometimes overshadowed by, you know, the, the typical goal scorers in that team. But for me, Ailey is, you know, plays in the core of the team and huge influential player, hugely influential player um, with, with so much potential. And every time I watch her, she just gets better and better. Um, and I think in previous seasons, Ailey's maybe been more subject to the holding midfielder at times, albeit she has, she does get on the score sheet. Um, she's she's an all-rounder, um, in my opinion, and that's exactly what you want from a centre midfielder. She's also, you know, extremely down-to-earth, doesn't get too ahead of herself, controls the game, you know, does what's asked and more. Um, so I think it's good for her having that partnership with Nadine and that, you know, maybe Nadine becomes that more pivotal player in, in the you know, pivots the game more and Ailey gets the opportunity to push on. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the pairing of those two, certainly in front of a back three. Yeah. And then on on the flanks, maybe looking to use a bit more of the, the youth and athleticism in the flanks, the likes of Fran Ogilvy. Mm-hmm. H- Hannah Innes, I thought, really stood out in the, 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 the last game on Sunday, going down the right flank. And I think definitely that idea about, you know, using players with, you know, good athletic attributes to... You know, players that can get up and down the field really quickly, but also with a uh, a bit of ability at the, fr- the front end of the pitch as well. Yeah, for sure. I think Hannah's really come on again. A player that probably you know didn't get as much game time as she she maybe would have wanted last season. She's technically very very good. She can play with both feet. She can swing in a good ball. Um, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to see Hannah like taking on more players because I think she's got the ability to do it. But maybe that'll come with in time with confidence as she gets more minutes under her belt. And you can see the confidence oozing in her already as she, you know, she's contributed with you know a number of assists so far this season. I think. Um, so yeah, she is yeah technically very very good. And and then again, Francesca Ogilvy, she's you know dictated that that. But she can play both sides really. Same with Hannah, so they switch sometimes. Uh, but Francesca as well, two footed, can cut inside, a, a big threat. Um, and his all for me, Francesca as well is someone quite similar to Ailey in that 
you know, she's she's been instrumental for the team um, across a number of the seasons. We come, you know, popping up with goals out of the blue when we needed them most. So, yeah, again, good attacking force, and I think often you're seeing Eva Thompson out on the wing as well. Although, although she sometimes plays through the middle, she's she's got the pace and uh, really good with the ball at her feet as well. So she can also be a threat down the wing. So. Yeah, it just seems to get more and more exciting as you, as you move up the pitch in terms of attack and threat. So there's there's lots of options for them. Yeah, and then when we get to the top of the pitch, so you've al- you've already obviously spoken about the the fantastic start to the season that uh, Bailey Hutchison and, and Hannah Stewart have had, and I tend to agree. Obviously, Bailey quite deservedly gets uh, much of the accolades in this team with the the goals that she's scoring up front. She's already been named to I think uh, a few of the S. WPL teams in the week, um, so very much the star player in that regard. But I've actually been, I've actually been really impressed with Hannah's performance so far throughout the season. Contributed a lot of goals, but a lot of assists as well. And there's clearly a very good relationship building there between the two. Um, also, tends to be the case that they, they 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 look to play. I don't know whether you would call it a front three with either Eva or the the other new signing, uh, or one of the other new signings, Laura Holden. Um, who's also come come up from England, um, but he tends to want to play someone just in that kind of attacking midfield role in behind those two. And you, you feel that's worked out well so far? Yeah, I think Eva, well, knowing Eva more than I do, um, Holden, I think that, you know, I, I've seen Holden play, you know, a couple of weeks now, and yeah, it looks like she's taken that position up pretty well, comfortable. Um, again, a really strong player. Quite similar in. in 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 that respect, you know they're quite they're quite neat players. Uh, I think, you know, Eva's when I played with her, she she suited that number ten role pretty pretty well, and also kind of like the the runs in behind defence. So it's good that they can kind of rotate and mix up between you know whether it's you know um, Eva in the ten position and, and switching potentially with Bailey and and Hannah. Um, you know, it, it's good to to rotate and. Yeah, I think Hannah's made a very good start to the season. Again, another player that's probably been was a bit, you know, hot and cold last season, but so far so good this season and she's you know, her and Bailey are linking up so well um up up top there. Um and Bailey, I go on about her all the time, I'm fed up with my own voice, but I stand by it. Like I think yeah, she's class. She's just she's so good. Um and I think a lot of clubs in the in in the league are you know they're not daft to Bailey's ability. You know if you're playing up against Bailey uh, Aberdeen, sorry, I think you know if if I'm doing a team talk, Bailey Hutchison uh, is the 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 focus of conversation and and how to prevent her because well for me every time she's in behind she scores so she must have an incredible record of you know converting chances when she's in behind your back line and then often she's still got a defender to beat and people just bounce off her and. And then, yeah, and then when it comes to shooting, she's just, I don't know, she just nails it every time. Corner, neat in the corner, powerful, powerful striker. Um, Again, someone with a lot of potential and, um, you know, there's areas that she can work on, I think, you know, aerially and um, probably keeping herself in the game when teams are trying to, you know, counteract her her runs um, is something that, you know, she can, she can look to work on and how she can cause people to trouble other than in behind but 
yeah, I think she's uh, someone, as I say, I go on a lot of bricks. I think she's a really special player. Yeah, it's understandable you'd go on about her because it's all the adulation and praise is very well deserved in, in her perspective. The other thing I'm always stunned about is how she seems to be genuinely two-footed in relation to the number of those chances I've seen her take has been with, with either foot as well. So she seems incredibly comfortable and very composed in those situations. Yeah, I mean, that's it. But ball at her feet, you know, regardless, she'll she'll make something off, off it. You know, you, you rarely see her give the ball away. Um, and, you know, as I say, when she's... Her conversion on opportunities must be, you know, substantially high. Um, I'd say, you know, yeah, very, 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 very good one-on-one, very good given any opportunity. Um, And as you say, two-footed, that's uh, half the battle. So having gone through the, the, the team sheet, as it were, in terms of who's been regularly playing so far, I thought it might be worth moving on to how, how the team as a whole has performed in the first few games in the season. So maybe with a, a, a broad look across the games, there's been six games so far, and I was kind of thinking ahead, I'd bracket them in maybe three groups. So um, in terms of the, the there's a, a couple of teams, so uh, Montoya's ladies, who obviously just got promoted last season, and um, the most recent game we had against Hamilton. So two teams that seem to be struggling at the moment. Neither neither team has managed to get a, a point so far, um, and Aberdeen got a good a good win away from home in a midweek game uh, against Montrose and then uh, again the most recent game a very impressive and a comprehensive 4-0 win that could have could have been going on for more um, at the top at the top end of the league you've got again the a, a very good performance certainly in the first half against Rangers away from home before getting overwhelmed towards the, the end of that game um, and a very credible performance against Hearts um, but maybe um, you know Ended up two 0 losers, but I thought that, that that was a much tighter game than than, than what that game suggested. Um, so maybe winning winning the games that we'd be expecting to win, ultimately losing the games that maybe from from the outside people would expect us to lose. The real battle, I think, this season is how we're going to compete amongst those middle teams that would all be seeing themselves as potentially getting getting into that top six spot. So the very first game of the season, potentially for me one of the most crucial games already in that a team Motherwell that were knocking on the door to be top six last season would have probably fancied themselves to be in that role. And we come out with a real statement of intent right at the beginning of the season with a three, two win. Uh, and then again, an incredibly impressive three nil win away from home against Spartans. So, so we currently sit fifth in the table with four wins out of six. Um, in, in general terms, have you been pretty satisfied with both the performances and the results that we've managed? Yeah, I think, you know, touching on what you said there, I think two standout wins for me is the first game of the season against Motherwell, you know, and the recent win against Spartans away from home, 3-0. I mean, these are two teams that last season were, a, you know, it was a hit or miss for the, for for Aberdeen. Um, so for me, you know, first game of the season, I always put that down to you never know what can happen in the first game. You don't know where any team's prepared uh, whether you're playing Motherwell, Celtic, Rangers, anyone, I think. So I think to to crunch out a three-two win at home it was was huge, and it made a statement um, that Aberdeen were 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 coming out to to get back to kind of top top six as a target. Um, and then Spartans, they're always a, always a, a sticky team. 
um, and to go away and beat them, you know, for me very comfortably 3-0 is a huge, huge result. Um, so, yeah, great performances. I think, you know, the Montrose game, I was at that actually. That was, um, you know, typical derby. A lot, some ex-Aberdeen players at Montrose, um, it, well, it's our, our nearest rivals. Um, it was a very kind of feisty game, shall I say. And I think, I think though, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd say that was a big win, but I think Aberdeen should have been expecting to win that and they should be expecting to win every game against Montrose, in my opinion. Um, that should be the target. And I think, you know, Hearts also was at that game and I think the, the girls played really well. It was a bit, I was a bit disappointed with Hearts. I thought they would have put in, um, you know, more of a challenge. I felt like Aberdeen had a lot of time on the ball and, and could have created a, a couple more chances. But uh, we know how much Hearts have invested and, you know, it's not a surprising result per se. Um, and then, yeah, Rangers, I was watching that as well. They did really well for, you know, the first half. I was impressed with them. And but it's it's so typical when you're playing, you know, Rangers, Celtic, Glasgow City, who are, you know, just, yeah, full, essentially full-time yeah. in comparison to the Aberdeen girls. And I think that last 20 minutes, you probably watch most games against any teams against the, the top three. A lot of goals are conceded in that kind of final third of a game. So... Yeah, it was a bit kind of harsh, the scoreline, um, but I don't think Aberdeen should be too disappointed with their performance against Rangers. So as I was saying, where we sit right now, fifth in the table, um, I, I know you mentioned that, um, and, I, and I agree that what the team should probably be aiming for is at least trying to be in that battle for a top six place and, and being competitive in that middle of the pack and, 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 and away from that kind of relegation fears that we had previously. So that that seems to be exactly where we're uh, sat at the moment. Um, a couple of challenging games coming forward, though. So as I, as I mentioned, we're, we're recording is maybe just about 15 minutes before Aberdeen will be kicking off away from home against Hibs. Again, a team that we're currently above in the table, but again, that potentially what one of the other teams are very, very well invested in and at home they'll probably be looking to get a result and then. And then a very big challenge on Sunday. So um, it will be it will be Celtic who have won all of their games so far this season. Um, they were probably going to be aiming to, they would consider themselves a very strong candidate to be winning the league this season. Um, so maybe a, a good a good measure uh, of, of how the team is progressing so far in those games. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see how they do tonight. I think, well, I think prior to the, the Edinburgh derby on Sunday, I was thinking Hibs maybe hadn't started the season as as well as they'd hoped, albeit they actually did pretty well against Celtic um, the other week there. And then they've obviously come away from a huge derby win at Tynecastle at the weekend. Um, I think probably a lot of people would have pipped her, you know, put hearts to down to, to win that. So I think Hibs will be absolutely on a high and they'll be wanting to kind of keep their momentum. And obviously their derby win doesn't mean very much if they're getting beat by Aberdeen tonight. Um, but from an Aberdeen perspective, I think... This is a real measure of where Aberdeen are at, you know, because we've we've gone out and we've beaten Motherwell and Spartans, who are teams we would maybe have measured ourselves up against last season. Um, but if they want to be in that top six, they've got to beat the top six teams, and Hibs are absolutely one of them. Um, so yeah, two tough fixtures within a week with Celtic coming in on Sunday too. Who I have watched also this season doing 
uh, COCOMs earlier when they played Montrose. I think it was hard to kind of weigh Celtic up on that game, because Montrose had kind of, that was their first game. I think it was quite a tough challenge and it was hard to probably analyse Celtic um, under the caution that game because they certainly weren't at all. Um, but Celtic are, are gunning for goals, definitely. Um, there's no holding back with that team. I think a lot of lessons have been learned from last season. So, um, yeah, it'll be good to see how, you know, defensively Aberdeen uh, perform against Celtic on Sunday. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one too. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that one as well. And again, um, a home game, it'll be, it'll be televised in BBC Scotland, but obviously... Um, a game that's going to be at home and um, obviously with the men's team playing on the Saturday, the Sunday should be available. So hopefully uh, if uh, anyone hasn't had an opportunity to go and see the women's team play beforehand, a, a great opportunity to see them play against uh, one, of the, one of the top sides in the country. And as you say, a very free-flowing attacking team. They've scored the most goals in the league by a considerable amount. Hope, hopefully they're not as free-flowing against us on Sunday, but I think it will be an entertaining game to watch. Yeah, uh, I'm on co-coms for that. So if you want to listen to me talk nonsense about football, that you can listen into that. But yeah, no, I, I am I'm excited. I love doing co-coms for Aberdeen, and um, I think especially for big games like this. And I think uh, yeah, Celtic always put on a good show. They've got an absolutely you know class squad of players. You've got people that they've 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 just got Partido from Real Madrid, for example. Um, who is looks to be a really exciting player. Um, yeah, and so... I think we'll, we'll all know the standard of Spanish football at the moment, given that they're the, they've just come back as the reigning world champions. So, yeah, absolutely. You know they they've got um, yeah a great squad, and uh, that was that was a really good final. Um, but yeah, I think Celtic, the, the you know their caliber of players is is yeah massive. They've got you know a lot of a big squad as well, you know, cal- a huge caliber throughout. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And then hopefully, you know, I, I would like to think Aberdeen play and and play very similar to Rangers away and then just be mindful of that kind of final 20, 25 minutes when they lose a number of goals, which doesn't really reflect their performance. Um, the, I think Celtic are very, very dominant in the wide area, so it'll be a big challenge for our, our wider players and um you know, supporting that back three as we've discussed previously, because uh, Celtic are, are pretty ruthless in the wide areas, and at Balmoral, it's it's a, it's a nice big pitch that will suit them nicely. But yeah, that's the sort of things that I'm sure Clint's got in mind, and has probably had Celtic watched on numerous occasions to prepare the girls for that. So it'll be exciting to see, and hopefully, a win tonight against Hibs will mean that they have a lot of confidence going into Sunday and, you know, arguably less pressure as well. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, what I was also going to say is hopefully if, if people obviously want to hear Kelly on co-coms, that would be absolutely fantastic. I'll probably lobby and say try and try and get the best of both worlds. Come along and uh, watch the game on Sunday and then what you can do is uh, record the live game and then come <laughs> back and listen to Kelly on the co-coms after that. Um, yeah, that's right. Go to the game. Don't watch it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, no, I, I will. I will probably now try and do both because uh, it'll be good to get your insightful uh, thoughts on on the game after the match as well. Um, so finally, in terms of aspirations for the team for the rest of the season, I, I think you mentioned that um, top six is hopefully the aim. Um, 
I don't I don't think it would be fair to say that should be an expectation for a team. As you say, there's a there's a number of teams that that um, will are, are well, a lot further down the road in terms of their development and and the resources available to them. But I think it's definitely realistic that we can be amongst the teams that are competing for that spot. Um, um, do, you, do, you, do you think that's hopefully a, a realistic aim for the team? Yeah, I think the position that they're in now has got to be the target. I think they've they've proven themselves against teams last season that were maybe sticky sticky opponents like some other round Spartans. I think again, Hibs. I think I believe will will definitely be a top six team. So tonight will be a big test. But I absolutely believe that the current squad. And from watching them play and and tightening up at the back a little bit will has put them in a really good place to to strive for that you know top six like area you know whether that's fourth fifth or sixth I think's you know fourth being the the ultimate target and I don't see why not. Uh, sorry, I was I probably should say fifth as being the target there. I'm forgetting Hearts. I think they will probably be competing with the top four. So I think fifth spot again for Aberdeen is um, a realistic objective. Well, hopefully uh, we will we will see them achieve that. If if I mean again, in a, in a fantasy world, hopefully we can progress as, as as far as possible. I think I think um, uh, it's definitely a realistic target, but it'll be a lot of fun watching the season progress and see see how far along they get to achieving that. So. Yeah. Kelly, thank you very much for agreeing to do this. It's been wonderful talking Aberdeen FC women with you and uh, look forward to hearing you at the game on Sunday and uh, all the best. Nice one. Thank you very much and thanks for having me on. So, following on from our recording earlier this evening, I thought I would come back on to provide a very brief post-match debrief following the match at Meadowbank, and unfortunately it was not the result that we were hoping for. That is probably something of an understatement, as Aberdeen ended up on the reverse end of a 5-0 hammering at the hands of Hibernian. Um, while that certainly wasn't a result that was um, flattering Hibs, they were well worth the three points this evening. Uh, the final scoreline doesn't quite tell the whole story. Uh, Hibs were up by a couple of goals halfway through the second half when unfortunately Maddie Finney ended up getting shown a red card after receiving a penalty. That penalty was duly dispatched uh, and then for the final quarter of the game Hibs really dominated against 10 players and managed to pick up a couple of extra goals which probably provided something of an unflattering gloss on the final scoreline from uh, Adon's perspective. So, very disappointing. We were talking previously about the, the long journey back up the 90 for the players. It will undoubtedly feel all the longer off the back of a performance like that. Um, but in terms of uh, how the, the season looks so far, um, Aberdeen still find themselves sat in fifth place in the league table. Um, they're actually level on points with Partick Thistle, who are only ahead of them by virtue of goal difference. So... Taking the broader look at things, still overall an encouraging start to the season and the players will have a few days to recover and recuperate ahead of what's going to be another very challenging match on Sunday against high-flying Celtic. So as we discussed previously, 
that game will be at Balmoral Park on Sunday afternoon. It's a 10 past four kickoff. Um, as Kelly mentioned, she's going to be on CoComs for live match coverage on BBC Alba. But if you are able to get yourself along to the game, um, I would obviously greatly encourage you to do so because the team would definitely use all the support that we can provide them on what's going to be an incredibly difficult match for them. So if you are able to come along and lend your support in person, uh, please do so. And it would be greatly appreciated by the team. So uh, on that sad note, um, in terms of the result earlier this evening, um, we will we will stay glass half full and look forward to what will hopefully be uh, a good result on Sunday um, and look forward to the rest of the season. In the meantime, stand free. 